You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome back to the NIL Hotline. Galen Clavio joining you here. No Olivia today. We'll have Olivia back soon, probably tomorrow, maybe the next day. Took a little hiatus this past week as we were wrapping up some other work projects, but it's great to be back. Got a quick episode for you today. Going to talk through some NIL headlines, and we're going to save the big news that came out this week, which is that Missouri law. If you haven't heard about the Missouri law, you should go check it out. Uh, We're going to save that for when Olivia's back, because I want to get her insight specifically on what that might mean. What I'm talking about, of course, is this law that essentially says uh, if you commit to an in-state school in Missouri, you can get access to NIL opportunities as a high schooler. And that is certainly not what the NCAA had in mind, and I think it just further illustrates how much trouble the NCAA is going to be in with a lot of these NIL deals and where things are going and how essentially impossible it's going to be to try to get the courts to rein things back in to where things are are at. And so this is where uh, we're going to not talk more about that. We're going to save that for next time. But it's a really fascinating area, and it fits in with some of the other things that we've talked about as far as how state legislatures are going to be handling NIL-related items. Before we get to the bulk of what we're going to be talking about today, just want to remind you that the NIL hotline is part of the Back Home Network, which is a whole family of podcasts that cover a variety of different things, mostly Indiana basketball-related, but we are branching out into other areas, this podcast being a great example of that. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel, if you are a college sports fan at all, doesn't matter what team, doesn't matter what level, you're probably going to find like 10 or 15 things that you will enjoy wearing at homefieldapparel.com. They have the finest college fabrics and fashions, uh, just all kinds of things, everything from T-shirts to long sleeves to three-quarters to hoodies to joggers. They've got track jackets, uh, just a little bit of everything out there. And I would highly recommend you check them out. Use the code HOME, H-O-M-E, 15% off your first order. Also, follow them on Instagram. Some great content there. You can see what they are offering. They're doing a lot of product refreshes right now. So new content, new new apparel for Minnesota, for Wisconsin, uh, for some West Coast schools. Just a lot of really cool looking stuff. So check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Proud sponsor of the Back Home Network. Let's talk through some of the headlines going on right now in the name, image, and likeness business. One that caught my eye, this was a report that came out of Pennsylvania over the course of the last couple of days, and this was courtesy of ABC 27 and uh, Ali Barubi, uh, one of the reporters there, talking about NIL and Penn State and essentially how everything is coming together in terms of the money that they're coming up with and the businesses that they are connecting with. And I think this is a really important part of NIL that sometimes we haven't talked about too much. A lot of our focus as fans or observers or analysts of college sports have really focused on big name donors. You know, who's like there's a there was a story that I'll talk about here in a minute about a, a former NFL player who's giving a lot of money to his alma mater specifically for NIL opportunities. And those tend to be the attention grabbing parts of the financial side of NIL. But also important is the smaller businesses, the mid-level businesses in the 
cultural spectrum of an athletic department giving money that can be used in a variety of different ways and connecting that money directly to NIL collective. So this Penn State piece, uh, which I'll link in the in the in the show notes, is essentially uh, you know Penn State's NIL collective for football, which is Lions Legacy Club, going around and partnering with a bunch of local businesses. So for instance, as this report indicates, they announced a multi-year seven-figure deal with uh, a business in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania called West Shore Homes, and and then another one with a company called Inchin Company, which is a real estate developer out of York, Pennsylvania. Uh, and so all of these are essentially deals that are brokered through the NIL Collective, which then allows the NIL Collective to turn around and set up NIL deals with athletes that are looking for them. And, you know, there's some other interesting elements of all of this. Um, you know, you're seeing some nonprofit companies as well. And, and this is something we've talked about a little bit here within the Indiana space where there's two primary collectives. There's Hoosiers Connect, which is more of the for-profit one. And then there's the nonprofit one, uh, which is Hoosiers for Good. You see a similar thing developing with Penn State football as uh, you know that particular club. That there was a, an event they talked about with football players partnering with a uh, an animal shelter in Center County, Pennsylvania, which raised $8,100 for that organization. And so as you think about NIL, the reason I wanted to bring this piece up is it's very easy to get caught up in the big names and, and the big financial elements. But realistically speaking, you really need to be paying attention to these mid-level deals where you don't necessarily have a huge name attached, but you've got seven figures of money attached. All of that coming together is what provides an athletic department, maybe not directly, but definitely indirectly, uh, and its athletes with the NIL connections they need to give athletes that are looking for opportunities and looking for money through NIL the opportunities uh, that they can take advantage of. And so I think across the board, if you're listening to this and the the sports or athletics team that you follow is if you're not seeing a lot of stories along those lines where local businesses are partnering with the NIL collective specifically, you might have a little bit of a problem with your NIL collective. And this is where I think from a, a managerial perspective, a lot of of athletic departments and the connected NIL collectives or the, you know, the people that are managing the NIL collectives, like there has to be some level of not just coordination, but higher level management and understanding, all right, how do we take these businesses and these donors and their money and translate it into what's going to work best for the athletes? It's a really fascinating landscape. And it's one that, you know, I think some schools had a plan when they went in and are starting to do really well with it. I think Penn State, great example. And, you know, Penn State has an advantage uh, a, a former colleague of mine, a guy actually was was in graduate school with Pat Kraft as their athletic director. And, you know, Pat's a really interesting guy because he has worked in athletic departments for a while. But, you know, he, he was a mark. He was the marketing director here at IU for a while. And then he was at Loyola. He was at Temple. He was the athletic director at Boston College. But he's a former football player. And so he's kind of got a sense of what both sides of that equation look like. And I think you know, not just Pat, but several other people in college athletics are smart enough to understand that, like, this is the reality. 
how do I communicate this to donors and businesses and say, all right, the rules are different now than they used to be. Here's how we set things up. Uh, some schools don't have that brain trust and that infrastructure and people who kind of grasp what this next level of things is going to be. And that's going to be, I think, really interesting. And you're starting to see that even at schools where you wouldn't expect it to be that big of an issue. So there was a, a podcast that happened earlier this past week. It was the Round Ball Barstool Sports Podcast that Hunter Dickinson, the former Michigan basketball player and now a Kansas basketball player gave. And he was talking about the reasons that he left Michigan. And one of the primary things that he mentioned was that at Michigan last year, he got not that much NIL money. He said he got less than six figures for the year, uh, as you know, despite being the most highly or maybe easily identified player and certainly the one that had the most national success in terms of recognition. Uh, you know, honestly, that is well below market value for a player of Hunter Dickinson's qualities. Whatever you think of him from a personality perspective, the guy's a really talented basketball player. And for him to come out and say, yeah, you know, I played at Michigan and I got less than six figures. I mean, you're talking, I don't know what the number is, $80,000, $90,000. For a guy that was as offensively efficient as he was, a guy that was used as much as Hunter Dickinson was, um, you know, for him to only get that amount of money, to me, really indicates a problem with the way that Michigan has decided to handle NIL related to its basketball program. And this is something that I've talked about a little bit on other podcasts and when I've given talks on NIL. It's not just about the money and it's not just about the infrastructure. But for a lot of these schools, it's like, well, what are we actually going to spend the money on? And it's hard not to look at Michigan specifically, at least from the outside, and see a bit of a dichotomy developing. And I think you could see the same dichotomy talking about Penn State, who I was just referring to, who has a specific football collective. And yet they lost a promising young basketball coach in Micah Shrewsbury. He ends up leaving after, you know, not quite unprecedented, but a really, really good run at Penn State this past year. Got them to the tournament, uh, you know, got them to the Big Ten uh, championship game. He leaves to go to Notre Dame, despite what we heard was, you know, a real effort by Penn State to keep him around. Why did he leave? I mean, I, you got to think one of the reasons is all the infrastructure financially for Penn State is set up around NIL money and opportunities for football. Do they really care about basketball at Penn State? I think the answer is probably no. Penn State has the largest living alumni base in the entire country. And they all care about football. They don't really care that much about basketball. It's nice when basketball wins, but if you've watched Penn State for a while, you know that that's just not that culturally relevant a sport. Same thing with Michigan. Michigan, last I checked, had the number one recruiting class in football. They have clearly looked at this situation and they said, you know what? We have a top 10 alumni base. We have a lot of wealthy alums and everybody cares about football. That's where we want to send our attention and our money. There doesn't seem to be as much of an effort right now to spend that money on basketball, which is kind of a shame because Michigan is certainly a much greater basketball brand than Penn State is from a historical perspective. They've won a national title. They've been to national title games. They had you know, the Fab Five. They, you know, they, they have been a, a relevant part of the college basketball culture for a long time. And if all they could do was pull together sub-six figures for the best and most recognized player on their team this last year, 
To me, that indicates, at least from the outside, a bit of a cultural mismatch in terms of what they should be doing versus what they're willing to do in terms of money. So I'll be curious to see if Michigan decides that that's something that they want to try to fix as they move forward. I think you could look at other schools, Indiana being one, Kansas being one, Kentucky being one, Duke certainly is in this mix, North Carolina, where basketball is the dominant cultural element of the sports scene there. They're the ones that do seem to be very active in trying to generate NIL opportunities specifically for basketball. It is going to be interesting, I think, from an economics perspective, do you have to choose as you move forward? Is there really going to be enough money in the kitty to say, you know what, we can fully fund our NIL for basketball versus we're going to fully fund our NIL for football? And, you know, you are going to see, I think, some separation between the haves and the have-nots if it isn't possible to balance those scales. But I'd also say that, you know, for for all the people who have expressed concern about the long-term implications of that and, oh gosh, you're going to have, you know, more disparities, I think the disparities are honestly going to be about the same. One of the things I've always argued with name, image, and likeness and that money coming into the mix is that it's probably not going to significantly change the power structure's It might actually allow certain schools to be a little bit better at things than they have been because they're suddenly spending money in an open marketplace as opposed to potentially not being as effective spending money in the the, the hidden marketplace that existed, uh, you know, when athletes were getting paid to attend schools, but it wasn't public knowledge. It wasn't supposed to be something that you did. So I am curious with you know, some of the schools that are out there, are they able to utilize this to marshal their forces and become more competitive on the recruiting trail? And exactly what do the schools that were in the positions of dominance do as a result of that? And then how do you balance between the different sports? How much money will it actually take when the market finally settles down to be competitive in NIL opportunities across the board? And then what other factors start to play into the equation if you're uh, an athlete that's either coming into college or already in college and looking to transfer, what is it that's going to make you pay attention and say, you know, not only do I want to go there because of the NIL opportunities, I also want to go there because of of what? The coaching, the facilities, the, the fans, like where do those other things fit into the equation? Last thing I'll mention as we run around the headlines here, uh, I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but Uh, Andy Dalton, who I I erroneously said was no longer in the NFL. He's actually technically still on an NFL roster. But Andy Dalton, he's in his 13th season. He's with the Carolina Panthers. He's an alum of Texas Christian, who, of course, had, you know, maybe the best season, certainly in modern history of TCU, as, you know, they make it to the college football playoff this past year. But Dalton announced that he was going to give money to every single one of TCU's 450-plus athletes. And it's interesting the way that he's doing this. He announced that he was doing so, and I'm quoting, this is a piece out of Bleacher Report by Francisco Rosa. I'll put this in the show notes. He's going to give money to all of the athletes uh, on scholarship at TCU by using an app called NIL MyPay, which allows, and I'm quoting from the piece here, allows users to tip their favorite college athlete at any time in exchange for a signed digital collectible. So we're really talking about NFTs in this mix. And this is an area that we haven't talked about a whole lot yet in terms of, uh, of, of the NIL space. But if you're not familiar with NFTs, you know, this is, it's a weird area 
because it's kind of where the crypto and collectible spaces intersect in sports. And if you've heard of NBA Top Shot, that is an NFT marketplace where you're you're acquiring digital collectibles. This looked like it was going to be something that was going to become a big player in terms of the overall financial structure of of fans and sports. And then when crypto took its big tumble, a lot of the attention on NFTs started to wane. I'm really curious to see what all happens here uh, exactly because what you know, the way that this is structured, this my NIL app, you know, and again I'm quoting from the piece here creates a profile for every athlete that's registered with the NCAA, cuts out any sort of go-between or booster. The company says that it keeps 4% of each transaction and the athletes retain 90%. So Dalton's decided that this is the methodology that he's going to utilize. I'm I'm curious if he's got a stake in this company. I have a sneaking suspicion he probably does. Um, But but maybe he doesn't. Uh, but this is another interesting case of a guy with a lot of money who wants to essentially utilize his both his money and his status to try to increase the possibility that all of the athletes at his particular institution, his his alma mater, are able to to benefit, and maybe that makes it a more attractive place to land. So something to keep an eye on as we move forward. Uh, as we're, I think we're going to see more things like that start to pop up. How long will they last? I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on things to see how it goes. But just some interesting stuff going on. Anyway, I'll put that in the show notes. And if you've got questions, we got a couple of questions in. I'm going to save those for when Olivia is back and chatting with us. But some good stuff going on. And I think some good questions starting to come in about the implications of NIL. So we'll talk about those next time as we roll forward here on the NIL hotline. We should have a couple of shows for you next week. As things are heating up, we're getting close to the end of the transfer portal period, uh, at least in terms of people announcing. In fact, I think we're past the point where you can get into the portal. But we've still got places where people have to land and NIL is going to play a big part in all of that. So stick with us here on the NIL Hotline, part of the Back Home Network. I'm Galen Clavio. We'll catch you folks on the flip side. So long, everybody.